Hello everybody, before we jump into this episode, I did just want to put out a trigger warning as this episode discusses topics relating to abuse, alcoholism, depression, suicide, infertility, and other health-related issues. Whilst this episode shares the incredible story of how one woman was able to overcome all of these hardships throughout her life, this may be a sensitive topic for others. Please be conscious going into this episode. Otherwise, let's jump right in and start the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Time Podcast. This podcast is for those who are looking to become inspired and level up in all aspects of life. The Real Time Podcast brings you content of real value through being open, honest, and upfront about how things are to provide real and constructive advice on how to start stepping up and becoming your highest self. Well then, what are you waiting for? It's time to get real. going to be talking all about one woman's journey to resilience and how she overcame the traumas she experienced in life and ultimately turned them into opportunities for self-growth and also to create ways to help others. So the goal of this episode is to focus on this beautiful self-transformation she has gone through and how she emerged into the inspirational woman that I believe she is. So whilst we will be covering some heavier topics today, I want to make the focus of this podcast on the positive growth and transformation that can come from trauma and how this can be used to uplift and inspire others as well. So today's special guest is philanthropist, author, and co-founder of the Elevate Foundation, Constance Jones. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on today's episode. And from what I've learned about you, you choose to not let your circumstances define who you are. So rather than victimizing yourself, you've really decided to rise and create something greater for your life and the lives of others as well. And this is something I am so inspired by, and it's so honored to have you on as a guest to today's episode. So just tell us, who is Constance Jones? Tell all of our listeners about you. I am so excited for them to gain some insight into the wonderful woman that you are. Thank you. So I am a San Diego native. I am 40 years old and um, I'm one of nine children. So um, I had a lot going up, a a lot going on growing up, a lot of chaos. Um, And, you know, throughout all of that, in order to um, find myself and center myself and create a space for myself growing up in that type of environment, we were poor, we didn't have a lot. I had to learn how to rely on myself. And in order to do that, I had to um, get to know who I was, think about where I wanted to be in life and how I, I needed to get there. And so it's been this long journey, right? But I've been able to do that because I was able to set goals for myself. I was able to find like-minded people, people that inspired me to be better and pushed me to do more. And because of that, I feel that I have gone from a caterpillar to and transformed into a butterfly. But um, it was not an easy, easy process. Um, you know, my we were poor. My father was in and out of the house while we were growing up. My mom was um, very just. Dis- 
depressed and overworked and, you know, trying to do her best to keep our household together. And um, because of that, you know, I felt as the middle child, a little neglected. And because, you know, I felt neglected, I had to find ways and figure out what was going to make me happy? Where could I get the support that I needed so that I could continue to grow um, and not be stagnant in that type of environment and not recreate the environment that I was in in my future life? So I had to start early developing those tools and those skills um, to take me to where I am today. Yep. And we're definitely going to talk more about all of that in today's episode. I mean, 40 years young and you have honestly accomplished so much in your life. And you know, you're right. Self-growth is a, a massive journey that isn't easy. And it takes a lot of initiative and hard work and goal setting and surrounding yourself by the right people in order to develop the right mindset. And one thing I really want to uh, talk a bit about with you first is your philanthropy. So uh, first of all, what is involved with being a philanthropist? Like, how would you define this title for the listeners who maybe are very unfamiliar with what this is? So a philanthropist is basically someone who um, decides they want to give to people um, to make the world better, right? To help people grow, improve their lives, provide them with the needs, uh, necessities that they need in order to continue growing themselves. And so my husband and I, because we came from very dysfunctional poor um, families, we wanted to make sure that we were able to give something back to people that, you know, are growing up and dealing with those same um, circumstances that we did. And we always found people in our lives that made sure to take time and support us. And, you know, whether that was a school counselor or, um, you know, growing up, if we, you know, we didn't have toys for Christmas and stuff, and my mom used to go to toys for tots, and they would provide us with things and dinners, you know what I mean? So there were always outlets, whether it was a nonprofit, where there was a person, someone decided that they wanted to lend their hand to help. And that help helped um, strengthen us and helped me to grow into the person I am. So I want to be that light. I want to be that beacon for someone else. And so that's why we created, um, my husband and I created Elevate Foundation. And the mission with Elevate Foundation is to inspire others to get out and volunteer and donate and do whatever you know they need to do, pay it for some of the help that they've received, uplift those who um, are needing the help and then also help rebuild communities. So it's a holistic uh, approach to how we run our foundation. But we give all of our own uh, funds, so we don't accept uh, any donations from anyone else. It's just us giving our own funds. And uh, this year we will have given $100,000 of our own money in our fifth year. So we're we're super excited of all the things we've been able to do, and uh, we just want to keep it going, paying it forward. That's what we're all about. Honestly, that is so incredible. And it's such a selfless mission to be on as well, to, to want to help others and to want to inspire them and uplift them and rebuild communities. Like everything you're doing is just so incredible. And I love the whole purpose of your foundation. So look, I love how you have really been able to take your life experiences as well. And rather than let them bring you down, you're able to rise up and create something beautiful that from that and use that to do something for others. So how can people contribute to your cause? And uh, I know that we're both in different countries as well. Yes. Is it possible for people who may be living in other countries to you to be able to contribute and help with your cause also? Well, yes, I would say if they want to help, because we are not technically a nonprofit, they can't donate to us and we give it out. So we, I would say to go on our site and look at the different organizations that we support and you can either donate financially to them directly 
or you can find out what opportunities they have for you to volunteer and go help those organizations. And I mean, they're it, really honestly, it doesn't matter who you support as long as you're doing something for the community. One of the things we do, um, aside from giving the money is we go and we do the work. So if I'm going to, if we're going to support, you know, a STEM event for a group of kids, we want to go and we want to be there and we want to meet the kids and interact with them and figure out how we can help and be on the ground with them. Um, and I think that really, really helps to tie everything in because, you know, we can always just write a check to someone, but when you go there and you see the work and you see the impact that you're making, um, you know, time is just as valuable as, as money is. So if you don't have the funds to, go, to give, go volunteer. And I mean, the, what, the organizations that we support are wonderful, but there are, are, are many others out there. So I would just say go out and give and spend time helping others. And, you know, that really just, that, that's all you need to do. That makes me happy. I love that. And, and I think that's something people forget. It's not always about having to contribute money. It, it can be about contributing time and just being there physically and helping in that way. And that's very powerful in itself, I think. And mm -hmm. so through your foundation, you're obviously giving back so much to the community as well, and you do so much to help others. So what influence do you want these pursuits of yours to have on those around you and those who follow you even on social media? I want people to see the, the work that we do and say, hey, you know what? People helped me. Why can't I do this for someone else? And that's what we want. We want them to go out and be a part of something bigger than themselves. You know, I think when people are isolated and they live in their, you know, bubble and, you know, they don't always see, you know, what's going on in the world around them. And by getting out and volunteering and getting into the community, um, you can see the things that people are going through, the other struggles they may have. And, you know, it, it gives you perspective on your life. And also, um, you know, it, grass isn't always greener, right? And there are people that are less fortunate than you are. And what can you do to help? Um, and so that, that's basically what I want people to get from it. We help, um, sometimes we help groups um, of youth and whatever it is that we may give them. We did a, we had a group of girls, we gave them laptops um, last year before the school uh, semester started. And one of the things we asked them is like, oh, hey, you know, you know, our next event is coming up and we're going to be at the Ronald McDonald Foundation helping serve lunch. If you girls would like to come, that'd be really great. And so they showed up with their families and um, their younger siblings. And there were so many people that showed up to help and pay it forward that the, um, the lunch, they, we had too many workers. They didn't know what to, for, to have us to do because there were so many people that came out to pay for it what we were able to do for them. So that's what I want people to, um, to get from it. Amazing. And you're so right. I think it's very easy to become like very sheltered in our own bubbles as well. Um, so it's definitely a great way to gain perspective. And that's something else that has really given me a lot of perspective is your book. So I've started to read that myself. I'm working my way through it and I'm really hooked on it so far. So Emerging <laughs> Butterfly, a memoir. Let's chat about this a little bit. So your okay. story, like your story is honestly so inspirational. It blows my mind the things that you have been through in life and to be looking at you now on this zoom call and see the incredible woman you are like that inspires me so so much and um, I would honestly I would highly recommend this book for all of my listeners to have a listen to so I'm definitely going to be popping this in my show notes for them to check out later on but can you just tell us a bit about your book you know why did you write it and what is it about so I wrote this book, Emerging Butterfly, um, to let people know that they're not alone in their struggles in life. 
and um, that they're also they're enough, right? I want them to know that, you know, that they should keep moving forward no matter what, what happens in life. It gets hard. And sometimes it feels like it's insurmountable, the things that, you know, that may come out you. But if you continue to move forward and push through, because you are strong, you're stronger than you think you are, and um, use that inner strength. Get support when you need it, but keep moving forward. And that's what I want people to get um, from reading the book. And that's why I wrote it. Yeah. Like you are enough. You are enough. You can overcome absolutely anything in life if you're willing to like put in the work that's necessary to overcome it. It's not going to be easy. It's not necessarily going to be comfortable, but it is totally possible if you allow yourself to really do so. So the phrase emerging butterfly, now that sounds very poetic to me. Um, tell me a bit about the context or the meaning behind your title. I absolutely love it. I think it's so beautiful. Thank you. So I was researching um, for some different themes of how to tie things in with my book, right? And I stumbled across this story um, and it really resonated with me. And it's about a story about a little, uh, a little girl and her mother and they're walking along in the park and the little girl finds a caterpillar and she asks her mom, well, what is this? And her mom says, oh, that's going to be a beautiful butterfly one day. And so they take it home, put it in a little jar and the little girl's waiting, waiting, waiting for it to become this butterfly. And one day she sees the, you know, the cocoon moving and uh, decides she wants to help it. So she goes and opens the cocoon and the butterfly just falls out flat and it can't fly, right? Because what it needs to do, it has to struggle while it's in that cocoon in order to dry out its wings so it can fly away when it's ready. And that didn't happen. So, you know, I think it's the struggles which make us strong. And sometimes we have to do that before we can emerge. And so it made me really think about the transformation in my life. And I was like, you know what? That was me. That was me. And I mean, I'm still emerging in certain ways, you know, because growth is an ongoing process. But I really resonated with that story. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes you do have to go through the darkness and, in order to get through the, uh, to the light. And I felt like that story really it spoke to me. And that's why I decided to, you know, to uh, put Butterfly in my, in my book. I love it. I think it's so beautiful. And I think that's so true as well, that our struggles are what help us grow. The challenges we experience in life, they're the really defining moments that help us develop character, resilience, mm -hmm. and just, uh, just we learn things from every challenge that we come through in life. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that's, that's so great that that's been incorporated into <laughs> your story and the title and all of that. And um, look, you have obviously written this book, this book in hopes to, I guess, help others who may or may not have experienced some of what you have per personally experienced in life. But how do you believe that you can help people through what you've experienced and through telling your story? So by telling my story, I feel like it's been one of the most vulnerable and frightening things that I've ever done. But that's the point. You know, in the world that we live in with all of the, you know, chaos, the racism, the biases, all of those things, we need to connect as a people more than ever before and um, trust each other. And I want people to know that, you know, when they they go through rough times and, you know, maybe they felt lost or maybe they afraid of, felt afraid or hopeless or, you know, depressed, but there is always a way out. And so by sharing my story and the things that I've gone through growing up in, in my family, the medical conditions that I've had, um, the relationships that I've dealt with, um, all of that made me who I was. And so that is why I want to tell my story to make sure people see that they can get through what 
anything and that there are people there in this world that will will be there and support you you know i think it's a powerful reminder for people that you know they can learn from my mistakes that they don't have to reinvent the wheel and that you really create your own destiny you know um you have to forgive others you have to um you know never give up on yourself and and that's yeah that's why i wrote the book and that's what i want people to to learn from my experiences that is so powerful and i also imagine that through writing about your story this would have been such a massive like growth journey in itself and of course this would have resurfaced so many emotions that you had maybe started to put behind you and we're going to talk a bit more about um some mm-hmm. of these uh, medical conditions and all of that shortly but um mm-hmm. what do you feel you have personally gained from sharing your story publicly through your book um i would say that i have been able to use the perspective that i have now and look back and see you know how different things were um, when I looked at it as from a child as, and then as an adult, um, it was very cathartic experience for sure. Um, I had to do a lot of forgiving because I felt like, you know, I always felt like, okay, I've forgiven people. I've forgiven my father. I've forgiven my mother for, you know, you know, all the things that I went through that I felt that were unfair or, you know, they should have done things differently. If I was them, I would have, wouldn't have done that type of thing. But, um, but I thought, oh, you know, I'm good. I've forgiven everybody, you know, life is going to get, I'm not holding any of that back. But when I started writing my book, all these emotions started rising up in me and, and I realized I did have some resolve, um, unresolved issues. I did harbor some, you know, um, some bad feelings and I needed to forgive some people and I needed to let some things go. And so, um, throughout the book, you know, it was definitely something that caused me to grow, that pushed me. I cried sometimes. I was angry sometimes, but you know, ultimately I had to learn how to forgive and not only forgive them, but forgive myself for feeling like it was my fault for a lot of things that happened to me. Um, and the things that were out of control, that were not in my control, I was very angry about. And, you know, and I felt like even in my adult life, some of those things were still following me unconsciously. So, you know, by addressing them while I was writing the book, it was just such a relief. Um, and it, you know, I just, it, it helped me develop stronger relationships with people um, that, you know, I was on the fence with my mom, you know, we had some of our own challenges and we weren't really close. And throughout writing this book, you know, I had to spend a lot of time with her because as a, as a kid, you don't remember everything, you know, there's gaps in there. And I'm like, mom, what happened here? What happened there? And I learned a lot about her as a person and her past. And it, it made me understand the decisions that she made right or wrong. I was able to understand where she came from and and why she did what she did and whether or not I agreed with it didn't matter, you know, so I had to realize that I needed to let it go. And and that happened for a lot of people for my, for my siblings, my, you know, my parent, my father, it just, you know, all over, I had to really dig deep, forgive, repair relationships and move on. I love how you started talking about forgiveness as well. And it's such a coincidence because last night I was actually watching Tony Robbins movie. I think it was called I'm Not Your Guru. And a big portion of that, he was talking a lot about forgiveness and how important it is to be able to forgive the people that maybe 
didn't create great experiences for you in life because you need to have that forgiveness in order to move forward and continue to grow and all of that. So I think that is so cool that that kind of came up in this conversation and aligned so well with what I was listening to last night. Um, but okay. I, <laughs> That's great. I'll leave a link to your book in the show notes, of course, because um, I really want our listeners to have a chance to find it and um, look into it more after this episode because it's definitely worth reading. And it's like for me myself, I'm still currently reading it myself, but I'm finding it so easy and engaging to follow. And I would highly recommend it to um, anyone else who is interested. Um, But the next thing I did want to chat to you a bit about, so in your memoir, you really opened up about a lot of the hardships you have been through in life and starting from a very young age also. So you have experienced growing up around domestic violence, being through depression and even surviving attempted suicides and being in serious car accidents. And then of course, having to work through infertility later in life. So my mind is blown by the amount of hardships you have come through and yet you are smiling in front of me right now it is just incredible and shows how resilient you are like honestly I can't even begin to grasp that some of us don't even experience any of that you know in our life and it just absolutely astounds me the strength that you have so through all of these hardships growing up how did you shift your attitude from negative to more positive and growth focused so, you know, I, I had my ups and my downs growing up. Um, the really low points, you know, with the, the depression and the attempted suicide, you know, I was a teenager when, um, when that happened. I was 14. And so, um, yeah, I, I have an older sister and she's schizophrenic. And I had seen her actually, and see, you see how, when I tell you, you'll see how things that you see that subconsciously, you know what I mean? They get in there and you don't even realize it. Um, she tried to commit suicide uh, several times and I saw her once try to do it. And, you know, we grew up in the same household and had a lot of the same struggles and, you know, she was really depressed and, and I was really depressed. And, you know, so once she's about seven years older than me, but, um, she was already moved out the house and everything, but I got really depressed. And what I remembered is this was her way out. This was her way out. This could be my way out. I don't want to live in, in this house. I don't want to deal with my parents. I'm sad. No one's paying attention to me. You know, they don't understand me. Um, you know, I'm just this like neglected child, either that or I'm taking care of my siblings. I can't be a child myself. So when I was going through all that, I just wanted to be free and I just wanted to get away. And I didn't, I didn't have any other way out in my mind. And so, you know, that was a really low point. But afterwards, when, you know, when I didn't, of course, because I'm here, um, afterwards, you know, I had a conversation with my mom and, and she asked me why, why, why was I trying to do this? And I told her, I said, you know, I explained how I was feeling, you know, how I felt about our current family dynamics. And, um, and she said, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry that's happening. <laughs> Let me know next time when you're feeling this way. And, you know, that wasn't exactly as, um, as in depth of support that I may have needed at that time. But, you know, the fact that I tried and it didn't happen made me internally realize that that's not, I didn't want to die. And so because I didn't want to die and I was not in control of the circumstances because they, they were changing and I had no control as a child, as a teenager, I said, you know what, what can I do? What is in my control? 
And those things that are in my control, that would be like my schoolwork, that would be my, you know, um, my after school activities, all of those things I could control. So I just focused on the good. And by focusing on the good, I was able to just cope with the things that weren't going my way, but you know, I decided that I wanted more. And so that's kind of been the pattern in my life because you know, I've had, like you said, I had a car accident and um, I was diagnosed with generalized epilepsy. So just as I'm coming out of, you know, my suicide attempt the very next year, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with now this medical condition. And again, something I couldn't control, you know, it's, it, it, it was what it was. So, you know, I fell into that pattern to where I was depressed again, but I had, I met a new friend and she was really supportive. And, you know, I felt like I had someone that was there that would have my back and that, you know, I could talk to. And I think talking to people is so important, even if you don't have the ability to go to a therapist. If you find one friend that really cares about you and or a family member, someone that allowed me to help vent and made me laugh and I was able to escape some of the things that I was going through and it made me realize that you know this is happening but I can still live the life that I want to live and so that's just been the reoccurring you know theme in my life whenever I face one of these hardships I know that hey I got past that I can get through this you know what I mean and so whether that is you know now if I decide I want to go to therapy to talk through it I can but um but back then i didn't really have that choice but now yeah so i just know if i got through that i can get through this and if i need a little help or support i'll go get that help and support and then i'll keep moving forward so it's just this progression and you know things are great and i'm happy and things are going good for me now but you never know what tomorrow will bring but if you know that you have the inner strength to get through anything that you know you'll use the right resources um, to make sure that you are doing what you need to do to be healthy and whether that's meditation or journaling or walking or working out and doing all those things in a combination to help you mentally get past what you where you're at then you can do it yep and you know what I can't even begin to imagine what any of that is like that you know that you've experienced but you've just shown us that there is a way out you know, there is a way out of all of these different sort of emotions and hardships and all of that that you experience. It's just about having the strength or finding and creating the strength to actually make it through it. And to me, that says to me that you are an incredible role model. You know, you are someone that can be put through all of these struggles and yet overcome them whilst also finding ways to be able to help others and help others overcome these issues as well. So honestly, like it's, it's incredible. And that's the other thing that, you know, you briefly touched on as well. It was your epilepsy that actually created your fertility issues now, wasn't it? So you, you do have issues with infertility and this has been something you have dealt with in the later years of your life as well. And yeah, if you could please just start out because I'm sure there's a lot of people who may not be very clear on exactly what is infertility. If you can open up by just explaining what infertility means for us, um, that would be incredible. Absolutely. So infertility for most, it's, you know, they can't conceive within one year of trying. Um, so after that is usually when people start, you know, getting a lot of tests ran, um, they decide if they want to try IU, um, IUI or IVF, they start going down those different paths um, after the first year if, if they're really trying to actively, you know, have a child. With me, um, I was always able to conceive 
that wasn't the problem. Um, my problem was uh, reoccurring miscarriages. And so even though I was able to conceive, I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to the baby. So that is just another form of infertility, not being able to, um, to actually carry the baby to full term. But, um, but yeah, so that was really difficult. And epilepsy plays a role in the sense that, um, because I have generalized epilepsy, I'm on medication, I have to take it, you know, twice a day, and it's strong medication. And so that's something that makes me at a higher risk um, for those things for losing a baby, but also a higher risk to have a baby that would have any um, sort of defer deformalities, you know, medical conditions, it heightens that risk. So I'm already at a little bit of a disadvantage with those things. And then, you know, the fact that, that it kept happening, then my body started, you know, creating scar tissue and, you know, all of these things started happening to where, you know, my every, every uh, miscarriage that I had just increased my, um, my rate of having another one. So if I was to try right now, I'm already in like the 50% chance that it wouldn't work, you know? So it's, it was really difficult getting to, I've had five miscarriages, by the way, it was very difficult getting to the point of acceptance. The first one I was really young and I felt like, okay, well, um, you know, I was only like seven weeks, whatever. It's not, it's not the end of the world. I'm in my early twenties, you know, it's okay. I'll get over it. We'll, we'll power through. And then, you know, I get pregnant again and then I'm like, okay, yes, this is, it's going to work. The doctor said sometimes it happens in the first one, but you know, this time you should be good to go. And then it happens again. And then I'm like, okay. And they're like, but it's okay. You can try again. It'll be all right. Right. And I try again and then it doesn't happen. So, so it just continually, you know, went that way. But my fourth pregnancy was the one that was, I would say, the, the most traumatic for me. And that's the one I think that, um, that resonates a lot with people um, because I was 19 weeks pregnant and, um, you know, my body had changed. This is, mind you, this is the first time out of all my pregnancies I've actually gotten past the first trimester. So my body started changing and, you know, I could, I could feel the little flutter starting to happen. And, you know, I had my little home um, Doppler and I was listening to the heartbeat when, you know, when I wanted to and all of those things. And, and I saw it and I, I found out the sex and all of these things. And then to turn around and find out that, you know, the baby has um, hydrocephalus, which is uh, fluid in the brain. And uh, my doctor told me that I, um, that we should medically abort the baby because of that. So talk about like heartbreaking, heart-wrenching because at the first ones, at least, you know, I didn't have to make the choice. It just happened, right? I, I couldn't control anything. This time, you know, I had to make the choice to end it. And I had to end my baby's life, like before I even got to meet her, you know, and, and that was the most devastating experience that I, I have ever had. And I think that I will ever have, um, because how do you, how do you do that? You know, this, I wanted this baby, we wanted it. And to turn around and say, okay, well, you know, this, I'm sorry, but you know, we, the baby wouldn't have had a good life. It would have been in the hospital all the time if it survived, and then we would have been taking it in the hospital. Like, why put so why put someone through that? You know. So we decided to end it, but it was it was horrible. I was depressed for you know weeks, months. I couldn't go to the mall and see you know pregnant women. I would 
break down and start crying and have to go home. And, you know, my friends would be having babies or telling me they just got pregnant. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, why does everyone else get to have a baby? And I don't, what's wrong with me. So then I started, you know, putting all those negative feelings on, on myself. Like I didn't feel like I was a complete woman. I didn't feel like, you know, I could provide, you know, my husband, what he, he wanted. And, you know, my mom's expectations of, you know, having grandchildren and, you know, uh, being the only one within my my group of friends that doesn't have a child and do I get left out of all the things that they're doing and so it just it just it changed my life the fact that I was unable you know to have a child of my own but that being said I couldn't sit there and wallow in it you know I had choices so if I really wanted to have a baby you know I did want the biological experience but that just wasn't gonna, that was, it just wasn't gonna happen for me. So I had to decide like, well, do I want to continue, you know, to try and put my body through it again and again, or do I wanna try, you know, IVF, or do I wanna do a surrogate, or do I wanna adopt? And after my husband and I started talking about it, we realized that, you know, no, we decided that there are other people that need our help. Why, why are we gonna continue to focus on this one thing when we, if we can't help one, if we can't have one baby, we can help hundreds of other kids that are already here. So how can we do that? And so we turned our grief into purpose to help others. And I think that's what, what really got us out of the, the, the phase where we, we were really sad and depressed and wondering why we weren't able to have this family. When, when we opened our eyes and looked beyond ourselves, we saw that there's, there's family everywhere. So what can we do to support those that are already here? And we have lots of nieces and nephews. And so we're not without kids being around to take care of and have fun with, but, but yeah, it was, it was really, it was really a difficult time. And I wouldn't wish anything like that on, on my worst enemy, but I got through it. I you did through get it. through and it. I did get through it. And I went to therapy. We both went to therapy because, you know, um, I was just speaking to someone about this recently men and women grieve differently, right? And so my husband didn't always understand, you know, why I was still so sad. Um, and I know he was sad and he was hurting too, but you know, he was still able to get up and go to work every day. I had to take some time off to deal with it. You know, my body changing and just mentally, I think it's a little bit different when you're the one carrying it, not to say that his pain was any less than mine, but it's a little bit different. So for me, I, I he probably used work as a distraction to keep going. For me, I, I had to take that time. So I went to therapy and um, you know, I hung out with my friends and got support when I needed and went to support groups until I was able to finally, you know, accept, accept it for what it was and move forward. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you said you turned your grief into purpose to help other people. And that is just like, that is the most powerful thing that you could possibly do when you're in a situation like what you guys have been through. And the topics of acceptance and transformation, that's something I want to dive into a little bit deeper in a moment as well. But first of all, like, obviously, this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people to discuss. And for people who may know someone who is infertile, there is this strong possibility that they somewhat tiptoe around the topic and might be a bit unsure of what they should and shouldn't be asking. So I thought it would be uh, you know, insightful in hopes to help educate people and also normalize conversation about infertility. What advice would you give to anyone regarding this? Like, can, can you cover any frequently asked questions or if there's any specific do's and don'ts that you think should be discussed about the topic? I'd love for you to go into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, the main things I would say for people to do is, you know, they don't have to tiptoe around the subject. Um, if you know someone who is going through this and you're close to them, check in on them, check in on them. How are, how are you doing? How are things going? You know, how can I support you? You know, I think a lot of times people want to give advice. They want to solve the problem for you. Well, you know, it's okay. You can just adopt or it's a, why have, have you tried IVF? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And it's like, yes, I'm the one going through all of this and I know what my options are and this is what I'm doing or what I have done. All I need is your support. So it, if all you can do is be there for someone to let them talk or let them cry or go do something fun with them so that they're not, you know, totally focused on, on that, on their challenges with trying to get pregnant, then, you know, do those things. But tiptoeing around the fact doesn't, doesn't help anyone because your friend could feel like, you know, she doesn't have anyone to talk to because you don't want to talk to her about it. And so you have to ask them what they need. That would be number one for me. Number two, which is I kind of mentioned, don't don't try to give advice. Just listen. Just listen. You know, um, another thing would be to um, not not tell them um, things that that the, that they already know, you know. Um, and I, I guess I kind of covered that in the first thing. But yeah, just those are, I would say those are the, the main tips that I would give people to support, to listen, to be there, not offer your own opinion or advice or try to solve the problem for them, um, they will let you know what they need. And, and I mean, if you follow those basic things, then, then that's, that's all you really need to do. Just be there. Yeah. Giving someone your support is the, the best thing that you can do. And I guess, look, what advice would you give to someone who is just now experiencing infertility themselves and going through a lot of these hardships that you have personally been through? Like what message would you want to give to them to help them work through this time? If you're going through infertility, um, struggles right now, what I would say is to really think about what you want. What will make you happy? So if having a child, and it doesn't matter how you have that child, is going to make you happy, you want a family, um, then find other means to do it. If you want to have the experience yourself and you know that that's not something that, that you can do, then you decide, is it worth it for me to choose one of these other paths or do I want to decide to stop and, and go a different direction. But ultimately, you have to think about you and what's gonna make you happy because if you know your current situation and you don't, it's not going to change, you know what I mean? Um, then you have to look for different different ways to still get your happy ending. And there, there are many ways to do that, but um, definitely taking time to, to think that through. But then also give yourself some time and some patience. You know, things don't happen overnight. Um, and some people have multiple pregnancy losses before, you know, they decide to stop or multiple IVFs or, you know what I mean? It, how, how far are you willing to go? You know, and think about that too. Um, what type of, um, how much emotional, um, how much can you take emotionally? How much can you take physically? Um, what type of uh, impact is this having on your relationship? 
Is it worth it? Is there, are there other ways for me to get what I want? And then you, you need to think about all those things because all those things are going to give you your answer about whether or not you're going to move forward in one direction or the other. Um, so I would definitely say to, to think about those things. Um, and, you know, if you um, are hurting and you're sad and, you know, you're not getting the support you need from your friends or, you know, you just really want to talk to someone, go to therapy, go to therapy or go to a support group where people are going through the same thing as you and you don't feel alone and you don't feel judged. And, you know, you can actually really just let loose and let go and talk about your feelings. Um, I think those are really important things to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure there's so many people that are really going to benefit from hearing that advice in one way or another. Like I was saying acceptance and transformation. These are things I wanted to talk a bit more about. I know you've already touched on them a bit today, um, but these are two key terms that I really associate with your journey. And I'm, I imagine that there was a large period in all this where you had to work on accepting your situations for what they were. And I can imagine that this would be such a painful and difficult thing to have to do because acceptance is never easy. And that's just a fact. Um, can you just talk a bit about this part of your journey with us and what it was like for you to have to come to terms with, I mean, not just being infertile, but I guess all of the other hardships that you've been through across your life. So gosh, trans acceptance and transformation. Acceptance for me was when the light bulb went off to say, okay, I can't control everything in my life. And because I can't control everything in my life, what can I control? Because if I let everyone dictate or all my circumstances dictate who I am and where I can go, then I will never live my, my life, the life that I want to live. Um, it's so easy to, um, you know, play the victim. And not to say that things don't happen and you are victimized because that does happen, but you can't allow that to keep you down. So for me, accepting was, was just knowing that it is what it is. Like I had to get to the point where I was like, I can't change my parents. I can't change the fact that I have epilepsy. I can't change the fact that I can't have a baby. So what am I going to do to help me not only grieve, but then also to be able to let it go? And so how can I do that? So for me, it was journaling. It was meditating. It was, you know, spending time reading um, books that, you know, were on the subjects that, that were important to me that helped me get through to the next phase in my life. And then just putting all those things that I learned into practice until I was, for instance, with the pregnancy and being able to go and see other pregnant women or go to the hospital when one of my friends had a baby. I had to accept the fact that it wasn't, that wasn't my path. And so once I did that, then I was able to move forward, but, and let go all of the things that were holding me hostage. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, for me, acceptance was really internal, looking internally at my life, where I was, what I can control, and then what tools that I need to be able to move forward. And so journaling, meditating, writing, working out, spending time with friends and family, um, focusing on me forgiving myself for the things that I felt that I could have done differently because we always look at, at ourselves like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have, why couldn't I have done this? This would have turned out different. If I would have done this, if I didn't get epilepsy, then maybe I wouldn't have these challenges with infertility. And then I'm angry because I have this condition, you know, it can just be this, this cycle that you you're constantly in. So you have to learn how to 
break out of that cycle. And I think once you learn how to do that once or twice, then it comes easily. It comes more easily for you when you're going through things in the future. Yeah. And I think breaking that negative cycle is such an important thing to do because how else are you going to be able to progress and how else are you going to go and be able to live a fulfilled life and be able to help other people um, without being stuck in that sort of trap within your mind that you could be creating for yourself. And all of those things that you suggested, like meditating and journaling and diving into self-growth and learning and even exercising, like all of that is just such incredible um, advice that honestly, anyone can apply to any struggles that they have in life as well. So that's been very, very helpful. And I'm sure anyone that is on their own transformation journeys would really benefit from hearing that. And look, I don't believe that the things we experience in life define who we are as people either. You know, we are not defined by what happens to us, but instead Mm -hmm. that these experiences and hardships, they help us discover and claim what our purpose actually is in life. So what do you believe your purpose is in this life and what's to come for you in the future? What's your mission, your goals? Is there anything going forward that, you know, you believe is pursuing your purpose? For me, my purpose is to be happy. And by being happy, I can spread my love and my joy and uh, my passion projects with other people. Um, And so if I focus on myself, I feel that I'm able to give that to other people, to spread that light. So that's why I wrote my book. I wanted to inspire other people to let them know that they're not alone, that, um, that the hardships, like you said, the hardships that you face, um, you know, if you shift your attitude from negative to positive and be more growth focused, then you will always improve and you will always move forward. And so, you know, that, that has really, really been important to me for sure. Amazing. And obviously this is the real time podcast. So there's one last thing I wanted to ask you that I ask all of my special guests that do come on this show. And what is one final piece of real advice or a life lesson you just want to leave our listeners with? You are stronger than you think, and you are never, ever alone. So if you need to reach out for help, then do it because that will be your lifeline um, to keep moving forward um, if, if you are finding yourself in a place to where you feel alone and hopeless, that you are strong, you can get through it, and you're never alone. Yeah. And look, you have shown us that we are not defined by our hardships. You have shown us that we are not alone. You've shown us that we can always overcome our traumas, our battles, our hardships, and really just rise above them and create something greater from our lives. And look, we really are given a choice in this life, I believe. You you can either sit in our experiences and develop that victim mindset, or we can choose to grow through them and emerge as someone who can have a positive, uplifting, and truly inspirational impact on others in life. And this is what I believe you are doing, you know? So, so Constance, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and chat to me. I feel honored and blessed to have been able to given the chance to not only speak to you, but also learn from you and your story. So I truly, truly thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I look forward to working with you again. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into my real-time podcast. I have had so much fun making this and I hope this has been able to help you in some way. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to share it with someone who may be in need of hearing it. 
My goal with this channel is to bring you guys content of real value. So help me share this message and share this podcast by screenshotting it and tagging me on your stories. By doing so, you'll be doing your part in helping me build this platform and build a space where people can listen, can grow, and can overcome whatever obstacles are getting in the way of their success. But that starts with you guys. Tag me at emilyjane.dm in your stories and hashtag realtime and I'll be sure to reshare you on my page. Thank you so much again, guys, for listening in today. Your support honestly means the world to me. So until next time, keep it real.